Joe Ostrowski. It is Joe Ostrowski, and the top of the hour is brought to you by DuckDuckGo. I'm Recamp. I'm here with you for another hour. We're going to go out to the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And hey, I'm trying to think if this is the first time that Joe's been on in the nighttime slot since he hasn't been hosting the nighttime slot. Now that he's got BeckQL Daily that he's doing, he's got early odds, which will air tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Joe will be on that. So follow him on Twitter at Joe0670. Joe, thanks for uh, making time for me tonight. Hey, uh, Campy, I uh, like you on the wake and bake. Never listen to your podcast, <laughs> but I like food. <laughs> and it was perfect that it, I, I saw like first call too. was a Bob. Bob from Juliet is like, that's a double whammy, man. You know what that's going to be. Look at you, man. I mean, what kind of a life do I lead? Is the football season over yet? I'm just wiped. I'm wiped, and it's just beginning. Uh, to, to, tomorrow kind of sucks. Like, at first, I looked at the, the top 25 matchups. I'm like, all right, we got a couple of them. The primetime games are terrible. It's all about Sunday for me. I'll, I'll enjoy tomorrow, but, man, I can't wait for Red Zone. I've got to, by the way, i got to check to make sure I have Red Zone. Did I cancel it at, at the end of last year? I'm not sure because I can't go football season. I can't go one Sunday without Scott Hansen in my life. So uh, I, 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 I can't wait. I'm just... I'm in over my head, man. I'm uh, I'm sitting here and I'm and I'm go- going down the checklist. I'm like, wait, are there any fantasy teams I forgot about? Are there any pools I entered that I already paid for that I completely forgot about? And oh yeah, let me see if these 600 entries are all paid for in my pool. Yeah, no. you know, with the fantasy teams, I I did the same thing because like I was on the way home yesterday and I didn't get home before the game started, and I yeah. didn't even think about it and. I have three fantasy teams, and maybe this is a bad sign for my fantasy teams. I only had one uh, buck or cowboy, and I 100% forgot to set that lineup, so that's on me. It was Leonard Fournette, though, so it's fine. It's not like he had a fantastic game or anything. I was (laughs) scrambling. That's true. I was scrambling uh, this morning. I'm like, wait, because you were talking earlier about it, and it's so true. Um, The league is just so thin at the tight end one, there's like four, and maybe you could make a case for Pitts, even though they never really flourish in their first year, but he might be the exception to that rule. There's like four or five guys that are worth drafting early. If you don't get one of those guys, just wait till double-digit rounds. And I drafted Gronk, I know, in a few leagues, so I was happy to see this morning that I did put him in the starting lineup. That was a big game. Yeah, it's it's a nice start for him. Yeah, absolutely. And just the fact that, because like I remember at this time last year, it was a lot of O.J. Howard and Cam Braid early, and he was pretty much a blocker. And then yeah. now it's like, oh, no, he's full tilt Gronk still. Like, that's still in the bag. It's not just a, a playoff thing where you like he's like a lot of NBA players where it's like, hey, let's just get to the playoffs a little bit. It was right there for you. So that that's a, a fantastic pick. If they're not going to lose their four turnover games, when are they going to lose? You know, I almost, if the odds were a little bit better, I thought about doing a will, like, undefeated regular season i, I th- want to really? say it was like 10 it was like 10 to 1 or something like that i i got in on the houston texans go 0 and 17 at like 20 it was 20 to 1 when i got it i'd be down with that i t- i took them under four wins this year same here where are the wins i don't care about an extra game everybody says oh extra game extra game like like 
there's like not 32 teams that are going to win that extra game. 16 are going to be losses. People assume it's always going to be a victory there. And guess what? The books accounted for that when they uh, figured out the win totals for this season. But man, I mean, there are so many directions to go. It's part, what, what makes Sunday so great is I know you're in this boat, but I don't know if everybody is. I've just been, so hyped for the season for way too long. I'm sick of talking about the preview stuff. I can't wait to start breaking down these matchups. Oh yeah, uh, and, and like instead of where we think the weaknesses are or the strengths are with various teams, it's the NFL. Half the teams that were in the playoffs last year are going to be out. So I can't wait to see what happens. Where, where are our worst to first, first to worst teams? It's uh, the NFL is just the monster, man. It's if you look on Twitter, I'm sure it's the same for you. Like all these people come flooding back and. Uh, it's just great. It brings everybody together. Absolutely. And it's so I'm looking at and by the way, the one the one that got me the most of if I have to hear preview of this, if I have to hear preview of the offensive rookie of the year one more time and I get okay. it because there's all the quarterbacks, even taking yeah. like the Chicago aspect out of it. Right. I swear if I have to hear that conversation one more time when there's zero data points, I'm going to jump out this window and we're on the ninth floor. So that wouldn't be great. <laughs> I hear you. However, I'm telling you right now, that is going to be the most fascinating award to track on a week-to-week basis. It's going to be up there with the MVP because you said there are no data points, and you're correct. However, the narrative, the storyline of who's good or who's not going to be good kept changing after every preseason game and how those odds are going to fluctuate when Justin Fields is the only rookie quarterback that doesn't play in week one, how his odds are going to drop, and when Zach Wilson has a good game, how he's going to fly up the board. Uh, Mac Jones, is he going to stay as the second favorite right behind, behind Trevor Lawrence? I, I know what you're saying, but I think that's going to be as fascinating as anything. And I disagree with them, but people are trying to make cases for Najee Harris, first-round pick for the Steelers. He's going to get work from the start. Uh, Pitts and Arthur Smith's offense, can he be a possibility? I love the offensive rookie of the year. I'm I'm probably part of the problem, but I think it's going to be really cool to watch from week to week how that flips. And I'm kind of writing off Trevor Lawrence because I don't see how he makes it 17 games with that offensive line. Yeah, and there's just so many variables down in Jacksonville that it's like we're just assuming Urban Meyer is is not one of the college to NFL guys that's a complete idiot. Like, I don't think he'll go go full tilt Bobby Petrino and, like, leave a note for everybody, like, 12 games into the year or whatever, but, like, we we just don't know. So, and that Mm kind of leads to week one where, for me, I've been thinking in survivor pool mode because it's something that I haven't done before. Okay. And like, you know, a lot of people when match when the schedule first came out were like, "Oh, Houston's a dumpster fire, Jacksonville. We're never want to play them, never want to use them again. Just get them out of the way week 1." But now it's like there there's enough weird stuff going on with Jacksonville where I don't know what to think of, of that. And mind you, that's like the worst matchup of week 1. So of course I start with it because I'm dumb. But like with that as a jumping <laughs> off point, what are some of your favorite matchups and some of your favorite bets against the spread uh, in week one here? Well, let's start with the Survivor since uh, yeah. th- that's where we started. Um, I do know a decent amount of people that are taking Jacksonville. And th- this is the most popular strategy that you're going to see in Survivor pools because it worked last year. And that we think the Texans don't have a chance at winning a number of games. 
and we think the Lions might be tanking to be determined. So there are some that are going with Jacksonville. I'm not going to use Jacksonville again. I'm just going to keep picking on the Texans' opponent because I think they're going 0-17, so I'm cool with it. Man, I wish I had your cojones. I, I do not. I can't. I can't, man. I know a lot of sharper betters that are taking the Texans as a home dog in week one, just taking the points as long as they're getting at least a field goal. I, I understand Houston is a complete train wreck. What was it? Deshaun Watson now the QB4. They made that announcement today. Finally, they're going to address the situation. And he's probably not going to play all year. I mean, that's the expectation. But if you just look at the Jacksonville side, and I think this is valid. I mean, is there a team that, that the masses were more down on when watching the preseason? than Jacksonville, especially after that Jaguars-Saints preseason game. Oh. Uh, you were just talking about Urban Meyer, man. Uh, Trevor Lawrence doesn't have an offensive line. Uh, his buddy from college, he goes down to a season-ending injury. Why should a rookie quarterback in his first snap of professional football with a terrible team? Remember, that defense was dead last in every metric last season. Why should they be road favorites? So... You're going to go with Jacksonville. Good on you. Understand the strategy. Yeah. I do not have the guts to do that. I'm with you. So where I'm going is, okay, going with some of these larger spreads. Like on, on my show, BQL Daily, Joe Giglio was trying to make the case for Kansas City because Kansas City is going to win, so you don't even have to worry about it. Why? Why? Why do I want to pick on one of the most talented rosters in the NFL in the Cleveland Browns? Like, I, I think they're terrific, and now with all of these injuries piling up with the Ravens, nobody's going to beat them in the AFC North. They're going to be in the mix for a bye. They should be. They have that sort of talent, and the defense improved that much in the offseason. So, yeah, KC is the best quarterback in the world. They're probably the best team. But why would I go against Cleveland? I'm not going to use Kansas City there. No. That doesn't make sense to me. Buffalo Bills. Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm down on the Steelers for the for the year. However, Ben Roethlisberger at this stage in his career, he's probably going to be the Ben that we saw last year. He might be all right in the first half of the season because of his age, because of the tougher schedule in the second half, we're going to see him fade. And Josh Allen regression. Like, are you really a top five quarterback? Did you earn the money that you received? I don't know. I'm not sure. I would lean under the win total. I don't see how they repeat what they did a year ago. So I'm going to pick on the Steelers in the latter half of the season instead of the first half. So I'm staying away from there. I couldn't believe that Sam Darnold at one point this week was a six-point favorite against the Jets. I get it's it. It's insane. the Jets. That was nuts to me. So I'm not going with Carolina. I'm not going with Kansas City. not going with Buffalo. Tampa Bay, the biggest spread of the week. We saw that happen last night. Uh, for reference, I was surprised it was this high, but in, my, in a couple of the pools that I'm in, 11%, 12% of the pool were jumping on Tampa Bay, and they almost had a heart attack because they were almost eliminated before the first Sunday. Uh, in, like, in some pools, I have multiple spots. I'm splitting them with the Niners and the Rams. Niners and the Rams. Um, listen. I want to pick on the Bears when I know Andy Dalton's going to be the starter. I don't think he's going to be the mm -hmm. starter for long. We know about all the injuries. Uh, these teams always play lower-scoring games. I want to get to that total in a minute. But um, it, I'm picking on the Rams. Now, I'm not as high on the Rams as many, many others are. 
They're going to, I think they're going to be in the playoffs. They're a really good team. I don't think they're Super Bowl good. But if I'm staying away from the Rams, I want to stay away from them probably later in the year because they are the definition of a fragile roster, you know? I mean, a few injuries. Look at their depth. They're what Ryan Pace wants to be. Just keep trading away all your draft picks, and you have no capital in the end. So they're they're going for it every single season, but I, I don't buy into the depth, but they have that super high talent at the starter level. So I just don't see how Andy Dalton and the Bears offense gets to 20. So that's why I'm going with the Rams. And then we've got the Niners at the Lions. Love the Niners this year. I think they're going to win the NFC. I, I think. You know, I'm not I'm not forgetting about Seattle because I want to see what Waldron looks like, the new offensive coordinator there, and how he's going to work with Russ there. But um, a, a healthy San Francisco team I'm buying into. They were missing so many of their top starters. So I'm rolling with San Francisco and the Rams, and um, I'm praying that San Francisco is not last year's Indianapolis Colts, which knocked a lot of people out. Colts lost straight up to the Jaguars, you remember, and then the Jaguars never won another game the rest of the season. So that's what I'm doing. Uh, I'm rolling with those top two NFC West teams. Yeah, I find the 49ers so fascinating just because how often has a, has a team been so trusted by a lot of people? And mind you, I don't disagree with it either, where they're more likely than not going to have a rookie quarterback for a vast majority of the season. It's just kind of fascinating because I know that roster is stacked when healthy, but it's still interesting do we know the, what they're doing? Does anybody really know? I think pe- people like to think they believe th- they know what the plan is because they were looking at the last fake game of the year. I don't think anybody really knows what the plan is or how, how they're going to implement it. That's true. I mean, so here's what I'm hoping for extremely selfishly, that there is a Trey Lance package and that he comes out for the first, like they just start in the Trey Lance package. He gets mm-hmm. at least the first snap so I can win my bet on that. That's a whole other thing. And then, you know, Jimmy Wait, what Gar- bet is that? First it, snap? Yeah, first snap. Uh, Trey Lance was, I got it at, it was either three to one or four to one. I forgot. That's not happening. Why, why can't it? I, I would appreciate if it did. I know it's not happening, but I would appreciate <laughs> yeah. if it did. That, I mean, if nothing you don't else, need be- to go, you, you don't need to pull that club out of the bag <laughs> against Dan Campbell. That's that, why it's that's not true. happening. That's very true. <laughs> Another week, sure, possibly. Yeah. But I, I would still appreciate it. Is so, he healthy? I don't even know. I, I don't know. He's like, I think he wasn't even on the injury report today, which, okay, that's a good sign. But, you know, yeah. who knows? So I, what do you think about all the line movement kind of moving away from all the, the teaser legs that we had mm. seen so much throughout the offseason where it seemed like there were a boatload of seven and a halfs and two and a halfs to where they're just begging to be teased and now – all of a sudden, those are drying up real quick for the people that are just kind of getting into getting their picks in these last couple of days before the you know the first Sunday. Certainly, uh, for people that that are unaware, a, a teaser teasers have become a very popular bet. And what it is is you you pick two teams, and the teams that you pick, you can move the point spread six six points in your favor. So if a team is favored by six, you can move it down to. Zero. Now, you just need to win the game. It's a pick scenario. If it's minus seven, you can move it down to minus one. So what happened on Thursday was 
that game was sitting at seven and a half for a while, and then they got it to eight, then eight and a half, then on game day nine. Some places went to nine and a half. What they did is there was just so much Bucks money in Avalanche. They were begging for Cowboys money. That's one part of it. And the other thing is, like, okay, well, we're going to get all this Bucks money. Let's at least get it out of the teaser zone. Meaning if you move it six points, you can't get it under three. It's going to have to be three when they had it at nine or three and a half when they had it at nine and a half. So what happened in the game? Of course, it ends up being a two-point game. So the two and a half, three, three and a half, all those were losers if you had it with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Rick, we saw the same thing today with San Francisco. That thing was seven and a half forever, and it just kept creeping up. I saw some books this afternoon that had it at nine. I believe the consensus is eight. And you know what that's screaming to me? It's saying that's going to happen with that Bears game. Mm-hmm. So it moved to seven and a half a couple of weeks ago, and the public money obviously coming in on the Rams. They're going to back the team that's a Super Bowl contender, that's at home, that made a massive upgrade at the quarterback position, and that's going to keep going up. When your average Joes get uh, the results in from the noon bets and the three o'clock bets, and they're looking for some action, maybe they're chasing. They're going to bet on the Rams, and that's going to be a very, very popular teaser leg. Moving the Rams right now, you can move them from seven and a half down to minus one and a half. So you're almost just saying, just win the ball game. I don't care if it's a last second field goal, then we would be good. Um, I do want to refute something you said when, okay. when, when you were talking to people about just give me the case for the Bears. And I understand what you're saying. You didn't want the easy answer, the lame answer about Dalton injury or Dalton getting benched. Have you noticed the total to this game, this Bears game? Yeah, you know, like while while you were giving your last answer, I, I peaked at a points bet, and it's down to 46 and a half. 46 and a half. But earlier this week, it uh, topped out at 47, 47 and a half. The low point was 44. You know this, this matchup. I mean, these teams always play to the under. Mm-hmm. Three straight years, they played to the under. This is the highest total. Why? Why is it so high? Is it all because of Matthew Stafford? Apparently not. Apparently it's not all Matthew Stafford. Um, I'm going to talk to Adam Chernoff tomorrow on, what's the show I do in the morning? Early, early, early odds. odds. Yeah. I lose track. <laughs> Doing the Rick Camp show right now. <laughs> I have BQL daily. I jump on all the shows all week. Anyways, um, so he was saying the reason that the total climbed up was because one of the sharper betting groups out there that have a lot of customers, uh, they gave it out as one of their top plays of the week, the over the win total before 47. When is that a lower number? And it's something that we've all talked about that we uh, can't stop talking about until it happens. The thought process there is, well, Dalton's terrible. What if the Bears are down two, three scores and they go to Justin Fields for the second half? That's, that's a case for the over. And then you got Stafford and McVay on the other side. Uh, we'll see how they are. They're on the script. You know, he's been getting ready for this. McVay won't be able to help himself. They're going to let it fly. So that was the thought process with the over. I still like the under because I, I just don't think Dalton is going to be able to do his part. And I I think there's a possibility, and we've all talked about it, of mm-hmm. Dalton getting benched at halftime. A la, remember? Um, Tom Deshaun Savage. Watson. Yep, Tom Savage. He's our guy. Going with the veteran. Kid's going to learn. 
bench at halftime for Deshaun Watson. Watson comes out. He starts week two. That's possible. It could happen. I would be 100% here for that. uh, We all would. It'd be a celebration in the city, right? (sighs) I'm torn on it. See, I think uh, there are a lot of people that believe that Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace are on the hot seat. National people definitely think that's the case. I don't buy into that. I thought that draft pick bought them two years each. Probably. Okay, before I let you go, and yeah, I appreci- we didn't even get to talk to any games. So I'm rambling. Sorry. No, it, it's all good. So I, of course, I'm going to be self indulgent here. I made one Bears related bet preseason that I, I honestly did yesterday. I think because I was bored. Okay. Uh, exact division order: Green Bay, Minnesota, Chicago, Detroit. So you know the chalk basically, plus two ten. Your thoughts? Mm-hmm. I'm not, not high in Minnesota. Not 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 enough value for uh for that. I know what? it's it's Bears or Minnesota. What is it for um the Bears second? I uh, I know this sounds crazy, but I honestly I it's not one of my win total plays. But okay, we're having a conversation about Justin Fields entering at halftime. We're saying that we don't think um that Andy Dalton's going to be the starter for a long period of time. I think you're on board with that too, right? Like it won't be a it won't be more than a month. Like that's right. max. Right. Okay. So if Justin Fields is going to give us 12, 13 starts, if he can stay healthy, don't we like over seven and a half wins? Or you know. The schedule's tough. Road games are tough. Late in the season. Um, rosters, have... rosters old. I don't know how deep it is. If some yeah. of those defenders get hurt, it can get – okay, so if it's Packers, Bears, Vikings, Lions, that's plus 350. I, I don't – I'm not a believer in the Vikings. They've completely revamped their defense. They had to because they were so putrid a year ago. My, you want to talk about a hot seat? It's Mike Zimmer's on the hot seat. They have a tough start to the schedule. I can see him being the first or second coach fired if they don't get off to a nice start. He's, his tenure, he's been there so long. It's been up, down, up, down, up, down. So I'm not a buyer in the Vikings at all. So that's why I would make the case if Field sees the field for the Bears to finish in second place there. But I don't feel great about it. Uh, the difference in the win total is one win. One win. So the mar- the betting market's saying, ah, the, these teams are pretty close. There are a lot of people hyping up Minnesota over eight and a half. I am not there. I still, I still think there's yeah. going to be one team representing the NFC North, even in this expanded playoff format. Joe, thank you so much. I know Do you have you've... any bets this weekend? Come on, give me some. Uh, hold on. Like? Let me pull over my laptop here. I got my. I, I basically have player props at this point for this weekend. Hold on uh, a second. I'll be listening to B Rob for sure. Let's see. I've got. Uh, I'm on Kyle Pitts over his reception and yards. It's like over three and a half receptions and over 40 and a half yards when I got it. That just seems like too much sense. I'm on Julio over his yards. I got a 54 and a half. Uh, Jay, with. Will Fuller out, Jalen Waddle's uh, yard prop is only 35 and a half. I find that interesting. And I got on that Jets Carolina over when it was at 43 and a half. Which, which big underdog wins straight up? Is it Pittsburgh at Buffalo or Cleveland at Kansas City? Hmm. I would lean ugh. uh probably <laughs> probably Pittsburgh. Neither. You can say neither. I hmm. I think Pittsburgh has the better chance. I mean Cleveland's clearly the better team than than Pittsburgh. I don't think that's in doubt, but I would give Pittsburgh the better shot week one. At least. You know the the next uh largest spreads. I like them all. 
I think the Jets can go to Carolina and win, and it wouldn't surprise me Monday night if we see the Raiders take out Baltimore at home. That would not surprise me. Yeah, like no. before everything else happened, Dude. I know on You Better You Bet on BetQL, we were talking Raiders early, Ravens late in that game. Yeah. Like, but, uh, but now. Oh, in this specific game. Okay. Yeah, and in like in maybe first half Raiders and, and Ravens full game. But now. But now you're not getting who a the hell knows. Though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if we, I can do that anymore. Joe, I got to let you go because I got Brandon it, coming up next. It's always good to get to talk to you on or off the air and uh, tune into early odds tomorrow morning at eight o'clock and BetQL daily from was it eight to 11. Yeah. Eight to 11 central time. Everything's quoted in Eastern time on BetQL because it's national. All right. I'm so late and I'm going to apologize to Brandon when I get back, but that was more sides and bears and that type of stuff. Player props coming up next and some bears as well. with Brandon Robinson. Love getting to talk to him. Hosting the Rule 3 podcast on Windy City Gridiron. That's coming up next. I'm Rick here with you till the top of the hour on the score. The bottom of the hour is brought to you by Duck Duck Go. I am Rick Camp here with you till the top of the hour. Going to go back out to the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, where I have to give a big apology to Brandon Robinson at BRobNFL on Twitter, host of the Rule 3 podcast on Witty City Gridiron because I ask him to come on the show, I give him a time, and then I completely blow past it by like literally 10 minutes. So, Brandon, appreciate you making time for me tonight, and I apologize for being extremely late. Hey, no problem. That's not a problem at all. I'm just excited to be on. Thanks for having me. Well, so we're in, for full transparency, we're in like a Twitter DM group where we're just throwing bets back and forth and ideas for bets. And, and I just see a lot of your props and love your thought process on it. So I wanted to have you on to just, Hey, like props are my, are my thing NBA wise. So, you know, game recognized game when it comes to the NFL. So <laughs> as we, yeah, as we get sure. to here to week one with so much like up in the air, what are some of the things you look for with, uh, with your props for week one and maybe an example or two, since we don't really have any like true data points as of yet. Well, for week one is probably my favorite week just because you can take advantage of a lot of these books, just because as you said, there, there's a lot of unknowns. So that's kind of what they're basing it off of. So what I'm looking at is second year guys that are about to break out but especially what I'm looking at is rookies because they don't have with the rookies, they don't have a single data point, like you said, to go off of. So that's where you can really take advantage of, of these books, but also guys that you can also take advantage of are guys that are coming off the injuries, guys on new teams, guys with guys on the same team, but maybe with a receiver out or a receiver traded. Those are the kind of things that I'm looking for. So who are a couple guys that you're really in on their prop? Because am I right that like I got the Jalen Waddle one from you uh, on Twitter? Yeah. I'm, pr- I'm pretty yeah. sure that was one of one of your guys. And I saw that. I was like, with Will Fuller suspended, that makes all the sense in the world. So I jumped on that like immediately. Yeah, that that is kind of just like the best case scenario that you could possibly find. I mean, you get you get a rookie receiver. You got their number one receiver out, and they just they have no idea how to price it. I was, I assumed it was going to come out at around forty five and a half, at most forty eight and a half, and I was ready to jump on it as soon as it came out if it was at forty eight and a half. 
and it came out at 35 and a half. It's still sitting at 35 and a half on Sandal. And I just, I think it's an amazing spot. Um, they're going to force feed him, him the ball early and often. He's going to work out of the slot. So it's not even, it's not even like the Patriots can press him or anything to, to get the targets away from him. The, the very first targets of the uh, preseason when he was in with Tua, he was force fed the ball, I think three out of the first four plays. I mean, he's, He's going to be the number one receiver on this team until till Will Fuller comes back. So are you more of a pure yardage or are you a uh, an anytime touchdown guy as well? Because I think for people that are like starting to dip their toe into player props, I feel like anytime touchdown is like a fun way for people to uh, to try and get into that. So do you do a lot of anytime touchdown? And if you do, for people that are out there that are trying to you know get their bearings in the sports betting market what do you look for when you're looking for an anytime touchdown yeah i I love anytime touchdowns uh i think it's a little bit harder to find an edge but i enjoy betting those uh so i'm I'm right there with your uh recreational better i was on cd lamb was my uh best bet yesterday at plus plus 170 uh some of the things i'm looking for are are, are just, I'm mainly looking at the running backs. I think there's a lot of a lot of room to be made there, especially with regression. Uh, it's funny. It's funny because Joe Joe tweeted at us uh, about Taysom Hill because I was I was all over him last year when he when he became the starter because I, I just knew that as soon as they got into the red zone that he was he was going to be their guy. Speaking with Brandon Robinson, host of the Rule 3 podcast on Witty City Gridiron. Follow him on Twitter at BRobNFL. All right, so let's start to to empty out the notebook a little bit. Is there any game that you've been targeting uh, in terms of maybe you have multiple guys because you think that game's flying over? Or uh, Well, let's just start there. What's a game that you targeted maybe multiple players in because of how you think the game script is going to be? Uh well, multiple guys would probably be the Dolphins. Now, a lot of people would shy away from that uh, just just because of just because they're playing the Patriots, and obviously the Patriots are great against the pass. But when you got a scenario where you have Jalen Waddle with such a low receiving total, and then you got Miles Gaskins, who was an outstanding receiver last year, and he's complete he's completely undervalued because he didn't start till later on in the year. Um, so his receiving totals sitting at 19 and a half. I think it should be sitting probably closer to 26, 27 and a half. So I think that's one of those advantages where you can, you can hit them both. If they're trailing in the game, there's no possible way that both of them would miss. Um, but you have a great opportunity to actually hit both of them. Outside of ones we've talked about already. What's, what's your favorite player prop for this week? Uh, so my very first one this week was uh, Deontay Johnson. This is probably the one that I'm most known for on Twitter, just because I I kept hitting it over and over last year, just because he was he was so undervalued in the market, just because the outlook on him was down, just because he kept dropping passes, but they kept targeting him. So it opened at 52 and a half, it jumped up to 61 and a half in some spots. Right now it's sitting at Fanduel at 56 and a half which I, I think is completely ridiculous. He went, he went over that in 10, 10 times last year. He only finished 13 games. Uh, I, I actually think that the Steelers might get blown out. I think the Bills are, 
are a very, very good football team. I think it's a really bad matchup. So if they're trailing in the game, I, I don't see how he would how he wouldn't go over this. I know there's no like perfect way to encapsulate every player that fits into it, but do you think, and maybe I, I've been trying to notice trends a little bit too, guys like Deontay Johnson that might not have the the biggest average depth of target, maybe get undervalued even if they do get the volume in terms of targets just because you don't see the sexy plays from them enough where they're necessarily breaking out for those 30, 40, 50-yard uh, receptions where they're just getting 8, 12, 7, 13, something like that, where those guys maybe get a, there's some value to be mined there from guys that just maybe aren't necessarily sexy in their roles. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you have that, and then you have on top of that, you, you get guys where you, you have other players in the offense that are the stars of the offense, so they really get overlooked. Like, you, you have Juju Smith-Schuster, you have Chase Claybull, you have Big Ben, and now they have Najee Harris at running back. These are these are all guys that everybody's worried about. While Deontay Johnson's the guy with the most targets every game. Okay, so I, I've tried to hold off for at least a little bit. Uh, what what do you like in the? Do you like anything in Rams Bears? Because I could only assume if you're looking at overs, it's probably not on the Bears side at least. <laughs> uh, you know, I had I had that game circled specifically just because. The the Bears are in a tough spot. Kendall Vildor is is not very good. I think he's a he's a short press man corner, which they're they're going to be playing primarily zone. So that is that isn't a very good combo. And then Duke Shelley is probably going to be one of the worst the worst slot corners in the league. So that's a that's a really that's going to be a really tough spot for him. Um, but I was looking at I was so I, was, I had down Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, but. As of now, they opened up just a little too high. I, they're right at both 66.5 and 67.5 for Robert Woods. That's probably just a little bit too much for me. Uh, I, I'll probably look at Allen Robinson's under, honestly. Uh, it's obviously a tough matchup against Jalen Ramsey. Uh, that's a pretty, pretty high opening number. Um, I'm probably looking to fade him. I know you've got the expertise in the secondary as well. As you look at the Bears, I mean, outside of – is it fair to put the expectation of Jalen Johnson to be a number one on him after having just the one year that he's had? And then are the safeties good enough to help try and make up for maybe some of the sins that the that the corners that you men- mentioned are going to commit? So – I, I expect a big time year from Jalen Johnson. The only thing that would worry me as far as optimism goes, as far as a cornerback one, when people think of, when your average fan thinks of a cornerback one, they think of a guy like Jalen Ramsey that's going to follow, follow around your, your number one receiver everywhere. That's not the kind of player Jalen Johnson is, and that's not the kind of defense that the Bears are going to play. They're going to play primarily zone. So he's going to stick to one side of the field, and that's, that's the side he's going to be on. So in matches like this, where they're, where they're facing Robert Woods and he's on the opposite side of, of Jalen Johnson, that's going, to, that's going to be a tough spot. Uh, as, as far as the rest of the secondary goes, uh, I'm obviously a huge fan of Eddie Jackson. Uh, I think he had a lot better year last year than people would give him credit for. It's just because he didn't produce as far as the stat books go. 
But the thing is about that is they played a lot of man coverage last year. Specifically, they kept putting him on the tight end. And while he did a very good job against tight ends, he wasn't getting the ball thrown his way as much. Uh, and then Tayshawn Gibson will be the other safety. They'll be playing a lot of too high. So you'll have, you'll, they'll be giving up a lot less big plays. But the thing is about Tayshawn Gibson is he's always been a deep cover three safety. So he has a really horrible habit of backpedaling out in space. And when you're, when you're playing cover two, when you're playing cover four, that's really bad because it vacates the deep middle of the field. And that's the most important part of pass defense is the, the deep middle of the field. So with Sean Desai in place now and, you know, the Bears basically having their Vic Fangio uh, disciple, it's tough to say necessarily how much better he'll be than, uh, than he had before uh, with Chuck Pagano. And see, I already tried to block Chuck Pagano out of my brain and what the, what the last couple of years were in that regard. So just in general, uh, I know Robert Mays, I heard say this on the athletic football show of it's tough to just have a guy run the same system, like put out the same plays, but not necessarily understand like when to run them and understanding how to best utilize the personnel in a scheme that might not necessarily be their own. Just from that perspective, if, Sean Desai is a, is like not a complete train wreck as a coordinator. How much does that help the Bears defense schematically, and who who stands to benefit from that the most? Well, it, it, it certainly helps out a lot. You look at you look at Brandon Staley, you look at Six Vangio, guys that Sean Desai has worked a lot with, and the philosophy of that defense is that they're going to play too high on first and second down every single time. So they're at about 85% of too high on first and second down. The rest of the league is around 50%. The philosophy of their defense is completely different than the rest of the league. And where that helps you is it gets more numbers in the pass game than it does in the run game. And obviously in today's NFL, the pass game is a lot more important than the run game. So it'll be important for this front seven to be able to play with a man down. That's where a guy like Eddie Goldman has never been more important. It sucks that he's probably not going to play this week, but he's never been more important than he is this week because he's going to be asked to take on a lot of double teams to keep Roquan Smith clean just so that they can get more guys in the coverage. Now, if he truly believes in that philosophy, it will help out a lot, but they still have to be able to rush the passer because they'll have less guys obviously rushing the passers with more guys in coverage. That's really good stuff, man. All right, hey, Brandon, I really appreciate the time. Uh, before I let you go, what's one more player prop you can give the people? <laughs> um, so I'm a couple that I'm looking at. I'm just going to give a couple really quick ones. Sure. Okay, Aaron Rodgers, under 37 and a half on DraftKings. He only went over that total three times in 2020 and two of those games they were in trail they were trailing so i expect the Packers to get up early if winston is throwing if winston is throwing picks they could get up pretty big and they're going to be running the ball the entire game that's one i absolutely love now i'm going to go back to to Taysom hill i hope joe is listening to this because it's at plus 260 on points bet okay he scored a rushing touchdown in five of the last seven games last year and the last three games. Now, the important part of that is Breeze started the last three games. The even more important part of that 
was that Michael Thomas didn't play in those last three games. So I think without him out, that's something that they're going to be looking to do in the red zone. Now you look at plus 260, those are, that's only a 27% implied odds. I think he has a, a much higher chance than 27% to score. Okay, and then a second, and not a true second-year guy, it's it Paris Campbell. Now he was going into his second year last year, and he had an injury in the second game. But in the first game, he had nine targets. He was, he was going to be their breakout guy. And I actually think he could be one of their breakout guys this year. His receiving total is only 29 and a half, which is, which is completely crazy. But they just they don't know who the guy is. And then my last one will be Donovan Peoples-Jones. Now, Donovan Peoples-Jones was, it was a receiver out of Cleveland, and he's been getting a lot of love out of camp, especially from Baker Mayfield. Now, he's another guy going into the second year, was drafted a lot later, so not a lot of guys know who he is. He's at plus 850 for an anytime touchdown against the Chiefs. Now, they're supposed to, as, as the total is, there's going to be seven, eight touchdowns scored at least. I like his chance to get into the end zone at plus 850. The implies on odds on that is probably like 5%. Now, if you want to bet first touchdown, it's 65 to 1. Like if, if people really want to try to make some money, it's 65 to 1. I, I don't know how you can deny that. You follow him on Twitter at BRobNFL. You listen to him on the Rule 3 podcast on Windy City Gridiron. And you can obviously tell he's the goods, man. Brandon, thanks so much for making time for me tonight. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me on. That is Brandon Robinson at BRobNFL. The player props, he's always got a thread going on Twitter, so make sure to be following him there. And yeah, like, also, you heard the expertise on the secondary. I know he's coached secondary before, so like that's why I made sure to bring that up. Uh, when I believe once I was hosting with Joe, and we, or a couple times when we had Brandon on, not even talking props, just talking about secondary play and Eddie Jackson. So that's really good stuff from him. Make sure to follow him. We'll come back, wrap it up. I'm Rick Camp. This is The Score. Wrap it up. I don't, we don't need to wrap it up, up, wrap it up box on me. I'm tired, man. I'm going to go home soon. So, uh, thank you to Brandon Robinson, especially for him being cool with me being late to him. Thank you to Joe Ostrowski. Thank you to Eugene McIntosh. Uh, thank you to Brandon Fryer on the other side of the glass. A couple quick things before I go, uh, happy birthday to my brother, Casey, his, uh, his 31st and like just one of my, seriously, my favorite person to talk baseball with. Because like I mentioned with Gene earlier, people that played at a higher level that see the game different from me, I, I like talking to them and seeing their perspective. And that's uh, that's my brother, Casey. So happy birthday to him. And one quick thing, and I only bring it up because I've talked about the show on here before, is a uh, big brother. And yeah, I know I'm one of three people left watching it, but they still give it like three hours of prime time on CBS all the time. Uh, just a cool instance of like, you know, representation matters uh on that show it's been known in the past for only having like a couple minorities on there and a 16 person cast and and they always try and you know put together that it's like oh okay well one of the minorities also has to be gay so they're like killing two birds with one stone and it was like a running joke on big brother but that with a new casting director they have um there's six black people in this cast of big brother 
and they made a, a an alliance called the Cookout. Sorry if you haven't watched yet, that's on you. You've had like over data to catch up on the double eviction. And they just got down to the si- final six people and it is all six of the Cookout members. And the way they've played the game, some of their strategy has been completely different. So it's just nice to see, one, that that happened. Two, that for me as someone that loves the game, watching the game played that well, and how, you know what? Nothing's burned down because of it. It's cool. It's nice to have different people, different perspectives, and showing how that changes a game. It's all. It's really cool to see. I love the way they play the game. So... If you haven't learned, you know, haven't heard or really care that much about it, but just want a cool story, just like go on Twitter and search the cookout. Although there's a lot of, you know, not shockingly people don't feel similarly to me, Uh, but, you know, find articles, something about it. It's a cool group of six people. So Kyland, Xavier, Tiffany, Derek, Hannah, and Aza. Really awesome. I enjoy, uh, this has been my favorite season to watch in a long, long time. So give big brother a chance and uh, shout out to the cookout. I'm Rick Camp. I'm out of here. Remember, Joe's on tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. with early odds. He's got Andrew Chernoff. Great NFL discussion to come for sure. I'm out of here. I'm Rick. This is The Score.